You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to Countdown to Camp 2021. This is the first episode of our summer-long series where we're going to count down to Bears training camp by breaking down every position and player on the roster. This week, we're going to kick off Countdown to Camp down in the trenches with a preview of the Chicago Bears offensive line. I'm Russell DeWitt, and I'm excited that you're joining us for this positional preview episode. I'm joined by two co-hosts, Nicholas Moriano and Mason Wester here with me. Nick, I know finals are kicking your rear end right now, both you personally with grad school, uh, the high school that you work with, but I think it's all worth it because A, we get to talk about the Bears here tonight, and B, I get to see you on Saturday for a night out in Chicago going to a White Sox game in the afternoon, and I'm pretty excited for that. Me too, Will. Uh, I was just at the White Sox game earlier this week. It's a great time. It feels back to normal, so I'm really looking forward to experiencing that with you and seeing a really good White Sox team, so that'll be a lot of fun. It will be a lot of fun, and again, getting back to feeling like there's a normal. I have not seen you since the NFL Combine last year, so last February is the last time I saw you in person. That's just crazy. It really is. I didn't even think it was that long, but yeah, that's what happens when you're in a pandemic and all time, I think just gets combobulated and you forget where, like what, I think last week I didn't even know what month we were in. So I'm glad (laughs) that we get to, you know, finally get to see each other here. Yeah, me too. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, We'll get to uh, that in due time. We have some business to take care of here on the show first, but in a very fun fashion. Mason, by the way, you're looking real spiffy. Your Justin Fields jersey came in the mail. You said this afternoon, and now it gets to make its debut here uh, right now on our YouTube channel. And for those listening at home, it's the bright orange Bears uniform. Justin Fields looking fresh. Mason, how you doing? Doing good, just enjoying that, you know, New Jersey smell. Well, not New Jersey, but New Jersey. <laughs> no one wants the other one. Sorry if anyone's in from New Jersey. But <laughs> I'm excited to, to look at the offensive line today. Um, it's it's a group that often gets, you know, not a lot of glory and gets yelled, but gets yelled at a lot. So it's going to be cool to dive into that. I know before we went live, we're talking about hopefully the Bears allow full capacity, uh, you know, attendance for training camp. If they do, or even if they don't, and they have like limited, are you trying to go this year, Mason? Yeah, and it was it stunk. I know there was two years in a row that my wife and I were went down there for two three days, and it was becoming a you know a little yearly trip for us. And then all of a sudden they were like, oh, we're going to move it up to you know Alice Halls. Like, okay, what does that mean? Does that mean we're going to have to do a lottery system to get it? Are we going to be fighting people off to see it? And then of course COVID hit and kind of forgot all about doing that. Yeah, I would absolutely love to do that. Uh, I think it's going to be really hard to get in especially with the excitement of some of these young players Tevin Jenkins Justin Fields obviously uh but it'll be really really fun to be able to see these guys work especially after the year that we've had 
Yeah, no doubt about it. And the reason why I asked, because I want to meet you too in person, by the way. I know Nick and I are, you know, we're budding up over here on the top of the screen, you know, talking about not seeing each other for about 14 months. And I just want to let you know that you're on my list of people whenever we get back up to Chicago, Bears activities. You're the you're first on my list of people that I got to finally meet in person. Uh, so I just want to make sure that you knew that. And uh, I can't wait for training camp myself, but we have a lot of time between now and then, and that's why we're counting it down here with our positional previews episodes. So before we begin, I want to share with our listeners what to expect in these episodes, and more importantly, this episode. So we're going to break down uh, each position. Again, today's the offensive line, and I love to break this show down into different tiers of players. We'll discuss each player, our expectations, any questions for them entering this 2021 season. Uh, we're going to share our picks and who we think is going to make the roster at every position. And at the end of the shows, we're going to have some fun by making bold predictions. We'll play some over under, and I have some other, I'll call them superlative type of questions for both of you guys. So sounds like a lot of fun. I'm ready to start. Are you guys ready to dive on in? Awesome. Yes. Nick, did you like mute yourself or something? <laughs> I did. And I said, let's do it. So I heard myself, but let's go right in and talk about this Bears offensive line. I read your lips, but we're talking about your microphone. And I was like, oh, here we go. So I'm glad that Not you actually did mute yourself. All right, here we go. So tier one, and I'm calling this the returning starters. And I want to begin this show with the longest tenured bear on the offensive line. And that's going to be 2016 second round pick. Cody Whitehair. Whitehair started the season at center, but due to injuries and some reshuffling, he was moved over to left guard. Uh, in terms of his snap counts last season, it was about a 60-40 split with most of the time still coming in at center. We saw some good, bad, and ugly with Whitehair last season, but I think it could be argued that he played his best when he was shifted over and lining up at guard. Uh, he's a player that he was playing some real good football for a few seasons. He has some inconsistency issues, I would say, in 2019 and last year in 2020. Um, but when he was at guard, and I was looking at weeks 13 to 17 over on PFF, he was the third best Inside offensive lineman graded right under Quentin Nelson with a grade of 91.7. Uh, and he also had the second best run blocking grade out of that position group from weeks 11 to 17 last year. So again, once he got shifted to guard, we saw a big uptick in his play. So I want to begin this conversation with where do you expect to see Cody? Will he start at guard? Will he go back to center? Uh, I know Bears coaches haven't fully committed to Sam Mustafer starting at center, so I do think it at least begs the question and the discussion here. And honestly, the back and forth for White here between these positions for the past, what, three seasons now, it's really not helping with those consistency issues uh, that I mentioned. So, Nick, I want you to kind of start things off here this evening. Where do you see Cody playing? It's a really good question, Will. I think every stay of the franchise, countdown to camp series we do, it's like, where where's Cody Whitehair going to play going into next season? So I think ideally you would have him playing one of the guard positions, and yet he can play left guard, right guard. But after kind of re-watching some of the tape and seeing where James Daniels was playing for the limited time in 2020, I think Cody Whitehair at the right guard position would make a lot of sense for – continuity going into 2021 when James Daniels is back in the lineup so that's where I would peg him to start if I had to put my money on a place where where does Cody Whitehair go I'd say right guard to start off the 2021 season I think that's just allows him to utilize his strengths the best it could be really either guard position but where he can get out in space and beat the opposing defender to the spot and get a good angle to seal off a block when it's you utilizing that inside outside you know run schemes 
that's where Cody Whitehair excels. So if it is at the right guard position where I think he will ultimately start week one of 2021, that I think is ideal for the Bears and this offensive line trying to, one, just establish some continuity going into this new season with a couple of new pieces that they're going to have this year. Mason, I'm curious to your thoughts on this because I was just like Nick when I was starting off my preparations for this week's show. It made sense. Like Cody Whitehair, right guard. But when I was looking into like his career, he hasn't played a ton there. Uh, I think over his whole career, maybe 150-ish snaps at right guard. So it's not like he has a lot of, I guess, experience there, although uh, he's someone with him being able to play center and left guard well. I'm certain he can make the transition, but is there any... I guess, worry or maybe hesitation to just peg him in on that right side of the line? Because that is a little bit different. I think for the most part, Cody Whitehair has been playing center almost more out of necessity than that being the best ultimate choice. It was just one of those things where there wasn't really a better option at center. And Cody's done an admiral job overall playing that center position. But, you know, let's not ignore the fact that he has, has and continues to have snapping issues. Um, he had to change the entire way that he actually snapped the ball in order to to make that happen. Uh, and then even last year, one of the reasons that ultimately it was discussed, hey, let's keep him at center, was, well, that connection that he had with Mitch and the confidence that Mitch had with him playing the center position. Mitch isn't here anymore. <laughs> so right. at the end of the day, right, you have to put the five best players out there. And so you have to then analyze not even necessarily as much as what Cody White here can do, but what can the other four do and how do you peg that all together? Uh, and so I would not be surprised and I would really think that he should slide into that guard position as because there are a couple other options at center that we can look at as we move forward in the show. All right. I'm excited to hear more about it. And I said about 100 ish. Uh, he's had 174 snaps his entire career right guard compared to about 4000 at center and over 1000 uh, at left guard. So it is uh, a little bit of an experience, which. With the professional that he is, I'm not, again, ultra worried, but I do want to at least mention that if he does start week one right guard, it's not like he has a lot of you know sample size there, and he hasn't played there since 2017, so that would have been Mitch's rookie year for some time. So just to put that in perspective a little bit of Cody Whitehair and where he can be and some of the implications of that, but going back to Cody Whitehair last season, something that I was pleased with when just reviewing his 2020 was that improved run blocking? It was something that was such an issue in 2019. And last year, going through my countdown to camp notes, Nick, you and I were very adamant. Cody Whitehair needs to be a better run blocker. And we saw it. I mentioned third, second best run blocker weeks 11 to 17 out of interior offense alignments at center or guards throughout the entire NFL, right behind Quentin Nelson. And then when you look back at the, what, the Packers game, that's the one that comes to mind when he's playing left guard and he springs David Montgomery for that 57-yard run against Green Bay. Uh, just another sample of him getting better in this regard. So, Nick, I want to go back to you. What's something from last season – that you do want to see either continued improvement on or just something that he needs to clean up this year that you saw last year that's an issue? So the thing is, Will, I don't know how much area that Cody Wired can really improve his his play strength because that seems to be like the issue that most of the Bears offensive linemen kind of struggle with in terms of just actually providing a push. They were ranked last season in power success rate, which is a metric by football outsiders, basically on, on runs on third or fourth down, two yards or less to go that achieved a first down or touchdown. The Bears are 25th in the league. Not very good. So collectively as a unit, they weren't providing the push that they need. But I think you still see that regardless of where Cody Whitehair is at on the field, 
left guard, center, right guard, wherever it may be, that seems to be the problem with him. I don't know if he's pushing up more weights or whatever it could be, but if you get yourself in a better position and you beat the defender to the spot, you can out leverage somebody. You don't have to necessarily be the strongest person to, to make the block happen. So that's where I would like to see him continue to just improve upon, but Hey, it would help if he had some continuity going from one season to the other at a position, then he can actually go not only get like the physical reps, but the mental reps as well. So he knows in terms of the field where I need to be and how I can position myself to make the most effective block. But it all, I think, goes back to this Bears coaching staff and seeing what they envision for Cody Whitehair because it seems like every year it could be something different. And it's not even position-wise. Like, even when he was at center last year, after James Daniels went down to an injury, then you're throwing in, you know, Afedi, and then he had Rashad Coward, Alex Bars. So he had no continuity even with the guys he was playing next to when he was center because uh, I was looking at his, like, his grades and how he was doing overall. And he, his first, uh, his first, his worst four-game stretch it was exactly right after James Daniels went down week five at center. And then they moved him over. Then we saw an uptick. Uh, so I do wonder how much of James Daniels' absence actually led to that one as well, uh, as much as it was a position switch too. So some thoughts that I have there. Uh, Mason, any other final thoughts on Cody White here before we move on to the next guy on our list? No, one thing that's really interesting with Cody is that he – you know, according to Pro Football Focus, he did get up to an 83.8 in terms of his run block ranking compared to only a 47.0 for his pass blocking. And so definitely a huge improvement there. And when you think about that center position, there's so much responsibility that goes in, you know, calling out protections, just getting the snap off and having, like you just talked about, new players coming in and out or so trying to maybe do too much at times. And it's harder to use your athleticism when you have to worry about all of that. So just being able to play the guard position I think this year is going to allow him just to just ball out, just play his game instead of having to worry about all that other stuff. I like it. Let's move on. And I want to transition and take a look at a player that we haven't seen in a while. And I just mentioned him. That's James Daniels. He's returning from a season ending pectoral injury that he sustained in that week five victory over the Buccaneers last season, the 2018 second round pick was having a pretty decent start of his year when he went down. I remember at this time a year ago, uh, we were talking about how he was entering training camp a little bigger, a little stronger, and that was evident right out of the jump. He was a much stronger presence up front for the Bears compared to his first uh, couple of seasons here in Chicago, gaining much more push, opening up those running lanes when the Bears were heavily focused on the rushing attack in those first few weeks of the season. Now, Mason, I want to go right back over because you're, you know, you're the physical therapist. You're the rehab guy here. So looking at James Daniels, super durable throughout his first two seasons in Chicago, played in all 37 games in his career until that pec injury happened. Uh, is this a type of injury that Bears fans should be concerned about having either lingering or adverse effects this year? I'm just curious what your, I'm going to say diagnosis, um, but maybe that's not the best term to use here. So if you remember the year prior, Roquan Smith also had a pec injury. Right. And he was able to come back and be pretty much full out right from the get-go in training camp and for the season. And that injury happened later in the season than uh, James Daniels did. So he's had a much longer time to rehab and also two different positions. Uh, when it comes to the offensive line, uh, one of the few actual uh, sports where you really need that bench press uh, movement in order to actually complete your position um and obviously that's what the pec does right but the good news is it's consistently using that concentric or shortening motion and so basically it's getting stronger as you're going moving forward 
versus someone like a Roquan Smith, where you end up having the long arm as you're trying to, you know, do like an arm tackle on, on a running back running through the hole. So therefore, you're not quite as worried about that re-tear because the tear tends to happen when it's lengthened at its maximal position. So there really shouldn't be anything lingering too much, uh, especially considering when he actually ended up having that injury again, week five, and really should be coming back full force. I like it. I, I like the Roquan Smith comparison and going that next step of talking about how the different positions use that muscle group uh, a little bit differently to do their job. And that's why we bring you on. That's something that you know I would never even have considered. So I really appreciate that insight. That's tremendous stuff. Uh, Nick, I want to go over to you uh, since I know you guys share my alma mater. Uh, I'm going to say it before you do because I knew it was the first thing in your notes. So just like we talked about Cody White here, uh, what's the assumption with James Daniels? I think he said left guard is where you're pegging him. Uh, does it have to be left? Should it be left? Uh, only three snaps, by the way, right guard in his entire career. Uh, I'm just asking because if White hairs a guard too, and most of his snaps came to left guard, as I mentioned, someone's going to be playing a new position here uh, in the up front for this Bears offensive line. And we already know one. We'll talk about him later on in the show coming from college. But with James Daniels, are you comfortable with him just saying, yep, this is our left guard? I am comfortable with him being that left guard just because of what I saw in the limited amount of time that he played the position last season. I thought he just looked a little bit more natural there, and he was able to use that redefined body type that we saw him come into camp and push some guys out there. But also what there were some snaps where he messed up on plays well, where he's beat off the line, but because of his – ability to change directions and recover he's athletic enough to rebound from when he does make a mistake and it's the last snap against the New York Giants in that what I forget which what week that was but it's it's a play that you don't you don't even really count but you look at him and make see the recovery that's the kind of ability that James Daniels has is that athletic ability in space to make things work when you maybe you have a false step or you're just beat off the line of scrimmage so I am comfortable with him, and that's why I pegged Cody Whitehair as the right guard because I really liked what James Daniels did at the left guard. And the Bears obviously saw that throughout training camp to where we're going to have you start at left guard. Obviously, Whitehair was at center at the time, but they felt comfortable with it. And I think had he not sustained that that pectoral injury, I thought we would have seen James Daniels' best career thus far in, in you know his young NFL career. Still a very young player, but... That I do feel comfortable with that. And, well, just one last thing. Do you know that I went to Iowa just like James Daniels? Did not. Thank you uh, for that <laughs> breaking news. Honestly, like three years too late, uh, maybe four by now. But I appreciate you making sure <laughs> I know. And, of course, uh, our listeners. Mason, I know very limited sample size for James last season. But is there anything that you're hoping he can build off of or just – uh, what kind of season you're expecting out of him, uh, you know, whether it be rest, rust, uh, you know, anything of that nature that you're just uh, anticipating some expectations for James Daniels now entering, what, year four? Well, you're always hoping as people progress, especially from that second to third year, is even less of the mental steps you have to think every single time, this is where I need to step, this is where I need to block, and just a little bit more action, right, that you can just go from snap to push immediately. Of course, he had a little bit of a blip having to be out as long as he was, but the hope is still that he can really start to integrate a lot more of that physicality because he's also very soft-spoken. That was one of the reasons why people were saying maybe he wasn't necessarily fit for center. You know, he wasn't making the calls, things like that. But so maybe hopefully he can take that step forward too and just be aggressive and attack on the place he needs to. Awesome stuff there, guys. So uh, switching gears here real quick, uh, we would need to talk about... Nope. Uh, 
need a quick pause here because this is breaking news and important PSA brought to you by Manscaped.com. Uh, this is your pubic service announcement and the news that you've been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. This new trimmer was just released. We were the, one of the first teams to get our hands on it to share the news. And we want to let you join over the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, which is 20% off and free shipping worldwide with the code FANSIDED20 at Manscaped.com. Uh, I, again, I was one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and I've just been blown away by its performance. The craftsmanship and the details really are next level. Uh, the advanced ceramic blade and skin safe technology, it's so good. It almost seems like Manscaped worked with Elon Musk's engineers to ensure that your testes are as safe as possible. And the optimized lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, it's waterproof so you can groom in the shower and not have to worry about making a mess on the bathroom floor. And did I mention the wireless charging? Yes, the lawnmower 4.0 has a new wireless charging system that uses electromagnetic induction, which can help the battery length last longer. Now, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the code FANSIDED20, F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D-2-0. So unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, I'm Russell DeWitt. Joined with me is my co-hosts, Nicholas Moriano and Mason West. We are in episode one of Countdown to Camp here throughout the summer of 2021, and we are breaking down the Chicago Bears' offensive line, and we are looking at a guy who's coming back to Chicago on his second straight one-year contract, and that's going to be Jermaine Effetti. He started his tenure here in Chicago playing right guard after mostly playing right tackle in his time in Seattle. And even though he didn't have a banner type of year, he demonstrated that he was serviceable. And he did a decent job when he did shift out to right tackle for the final seven games of the season. And Juan Castillo said just a couple weeks back, right, that he wouldn't be surprised if I, and I'll quote here, right tackle Jermaine Fetty made the Pro Bowl. So Mason, I'm going to go to you here and let's temper and taper those expectations just maybe a little bit. What are those reasonable expectations for Rafetti this season? And do you expect him to start this season? And I'm, I put and where, but I feel like how our whole entire conversation has gone, that would be right tackle. Yeah, I think it's pretty straightforward. It's, it's going to be the right tackle position just because that's where he's needed. Uh, you know, when he did have to slide out to tackle, I was definitely a bit concerned last year because as we knew when he played in Seattle, tackle he did was not the greatest hence why he was available for the to be signed by the bears on a one-year deal um but he was a bit of an iron man last year I and mean, he played 1115 offensive snaps the most of any of the bears last year and so the best ability is availability and he was able to, to do that he also had the third highest grade according to pff at 65.5 which is overall pretty solid across both run and pass blocking our expectations be better than Bobby Massey was at a bare minimum. <laughs> if you can do that, I think ultimately that's something that I'm just going to be happy with. Um, and th that might be a low expectation, but at a bare, bare minimum, that's what I'm looking for. And I think he certainly has the potential to do that, especially having another year specifically in the system and having hopefully, as you know, some of the episodes kick off further, a better run and quarterback to support him. It really is. What about you, Nick? Is what Mason just laid out be better than Bobby Massey, uh, a reasonable bar to set for J Jermaine Effetti over at right tackle? I'll shift it a little bit. I'll say play like Bobby Massey in 2018. I think if you get that level of play, that, what it's 
maybe borderline average or not, it, it's not bottom half of the league like we saw the last two seasons from Bobby Massey. But if a Fetty can be anywhere near that, you will take that from the right tackle position, at least for this season, until you maybe find a more long-term solution. And maybe they already have that in the roster in terms of guys they drafted. But that would be, again, I've used the word ideal earlier in this this podcast, but that would be an ideal situation at the right tackle position for Jermaine Fetty, where expectations were very low for a guy in a one-year deal, former first-round draft pick. I will say this. It's probably... Look, there's a lot of things that led to Miss Trubisky not being here in Chicago. But when you think of Jermaine Effetti, I think of the play where Mitch Trubisky fumbles the football. It's on that right side. Fetty gives up the sack. Again, Mitchell Trubisky has to hold on to the football. But that's that's kind of the first image or first vid, like just memory that comes to mind. So he still has work to do, no doubt. Obviously, getting off the line of scrimmage and just being able to time the snap so these defenders don't have a, a, a leg up on you, that's something that I, I want to see if Eddie, if he's going to make the Pro Bowl like Juan Castillo is, is claiming he will. And I saw him at Bears Fit the other day, guys. Freaking, freaking animal. Like, this guy, I don't know how old, I forget how old he is, but he's just on the elliptical just pushing weight. And I immediately thought to myself, if that's the coach putting in that much work, man, these offensive line, these rookies are about to, you know, they're about to, they're about to get worked this, this upcoming <laughs> uh, season. So, but that those are some of the things I think about with Tremaine Fetty. But if he could be 2018 version Bobby Massey, I will take that any day of the week. How does he get there? Like, what does he need to improve on from last season in order to achieve like that level of play? I think the big thing with the Fetty is that he doesn't have that. If a edge defender has that initial first step, that's where things can get a little where if Fetty can get in trouble. But that's where the hand checking is going to be so vital to just stop a rush at least enough for Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, to get the ball off enough. So it's going to be really the striking where he, where the hand placement is at and just being able to make it effective enough. Because, look, I'm not, we're not expecting – I'm not expecting Fetty to be a pro bowler. I'm, I'm sorry, Juan Castillo. Maybe next time I see him I'll, I'll mention that. But it's just not – I don't think it's as realistic. So I think if he can just work on those timely hand checks to stop these speed edge rushers – that's going to go a long way for him and maybe potentially earn him a starting spot. Okay. Uh, Mason, I want to go over to you real quick. So when it comes to Jermaine Effetti and what you heard about him coming into Chicago, did he exceed your expectations last year? I'm just trying to make sure we understand where you're coming from uh, entering last year to where he finished. Because I know you and I were more uh, you know, conversing towards the end of the year. So I'm just curious where you were maybe this time a year ago compared to where you are now with him. I didn't ex- honestly expect him to play as well as he did. Uh, I think he came in and blew out my, my expectations out of the water, uh, not just at that and ultimately right tackle position where he ended up, but at right guard as well. And honestly, I was a little concerned that another team might sign him to, you know, two, three year deal. Cause I thought he showed so enough promise to earn that. Uh, but maybe just with how COVID was and how some of the salary cap was may have prevented him from getting a little bit of a longer term deal that he might've in previous years with the kind of performance that he had. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense to me. I appreciate you sharing that. And since Tier 1 is returning starters, we have two more players uh, on the roster that started at least seven games for the Bears last year. Uh, and I'm going to call it the Golden Domer Duo, and that's going to be Sam Mustafer and Alex Bars. Uh, Sam spent his first 21 weeks of his career, by the way, on the practice squad being before he was anointed starting center. And then Alex Bars, he had six starts last year. Six at, uh, sorry, eight. All right, yeah, six at right guard, one at center, one at left guard. 
So, I want to talk about both these guys, not at the same exact time, but I'm just kind of lumping them here together. Just because I love their kind of parallel story, right? Both go to Notre Dame, both become here in Chicago as an undrafted free agent, both sitting on a practice squad, earning their spots, and here we are. Uh, so, I want to begin with Sam Mustafer because he's the one player that I think has the easiest shot to earn himself a starting position. Uh, for Alex Bars, it seems like the path would be a little bit more difficult. For some, for some Sam Mustafer, Nick, I want you to fill in the blank. He must improve. That's a, that's a good fill in the blank, but he must improve. I would, I said it before, play strength. I think why Sam Mustafer had some success early on was the type of plays that the Bears ran. There was some play-action bootleg where he kind of got Mitchell Trubisky outside the pocket. So, Mustafer doesn't necessarily have to just stand there and hold the block for as long. He can move with the pocket a little bit if it's inside, outside zone, or just, again, the, the quarterback's not directly behind him. So it's not as necessary to hold the block that as long as it would be if he was in the pocket. So that's where I think he had success, where we saw Mustafer and the deficiencies you saw, like in the Saints wildcard game, is where guys are, you know, are able to manhandle a guy like Sam Mustafer. But look, for a guy that primarily was on the practice squad and was, you know, just injected into the lineup. We've talked about it before, Will. We were impressed with Sam Mustafer and what he was able to accomplish, you know, really in his first year just being put into a position that he probably didn't think was going to happen this early on in his career. So I think if the Bears run that similar type of offense with, I would say, Justin Fields, a more athletic quarterback than Andy Dalton, then possibly he could still have success. But I know we also talked about, on our State of the Franchise episode where we wouldn't have, we wouldn't be surprised if the Bears brought in competition for Sam Musfer. They didn't necessarily do that with new players, but you have James Daniels and Cody Whitehair that have played the center position before. So it's not like Sam Musfer is just pegged to be the starter because, honestly, who knows what the Bears are going to do this year in terms of how they're going to mix up the offensive line. But Sam Musfer showed some good, showed some bad, as expected for an undrafted free agent out of Notre Dame. But... I think, like you said, he has the easiest way to try to earn himself a starting spot. Right. Yeah, no, it's all about getting your best five. Uh, and that's why I'm excited towards the end of the show when we need to predict that, uh, because there, I was going through a f- different combinations myself, and there are a few that I think could be real potential possibilities here that may not be, uh, you know, super, I guess, talked about right now, but I think they're actual possibilities that we may end up seeing here come week one for a combination uh, so, Nick, I gave you what does Sam need to work on. Mason, I want to actually spin it with the positive with you. What are some of those building blocks that you saw out of Sam last season uh, that you are looking forward to seeing him improve upon? Or just what gives you, I guess, hope uh, that he can be a long-term capable starting center here for the Bears? So one thing that I really liked was, in general, his run blocking was actually pretty solid. I think his pass blocking was the one that maybe suffered a little bit more. And just in general, the last couple of years, the run blocking has been something that the Bears as a whole have suffered with a little bit. So seeing some of those little glimmers was nice there. In addition, having an undrafted free agent, let alone, you know, in general, come in and play that center position is very difficult. And coming from Notre Dame, definitely good head on his shoulders. Uh, clearly, he's putting in the work. You know, you don't sit on the practice squad all that time and pop in and play the way he did without being ready at, at any time. And at the end of the day, having all those combinations of things is ultimately going to help him in the long run. It'll just be really interesting to see when he has a training camp and a preseason, like potentially as that starter and getting multiple reps where he can go with that. 
Okay. Now my next question, it's a kind of an open-ended question. I love how I phrased it in my notes. Who is Alex Bars? He's entering year three. Uh, again, I mentioned it doesn't seem like there's a real path for him to start again this year, uh, week one. But who is he? What is he at this point of his career? Is he just a capable reserve interior offensive lineman? Is that the label? And if so, is that really bad for I guess you know another undrafted free agent guy? I know he was a you know a higher graded prospect before he had a pretty serious injury his final year at Notre Dame. So I'm just curious, who is he, and are we okay with his current status? Nick, I'll go to you first. I think if you ask the majority of Bears fans, Alex Bars could be a potential star. I know there are people in the chat saying we got to put Alex Bars on the field somehow. I don't, I don't know who he is. He's he's a guy that has been adaptable, has been serviceable in, in a way, and has been available uh, when the Bears kind of needed people to be placeholders at right guard. Well, I think it was the game Bobby Massey went down against the Saints in the regular season where. He started at right guard, then he moved out to right tackle. It's like, hey, this is a guy that has obviously learned a bunch of different positions and has shown enough to the coaching staff that they felt comfortable or maybe they were forced to just put him out there. So to answer your question, though, who is Alex Bars? He's a guy that's still looking to find a defined role. I know I said on the State of the Franchise episode, maybe a swing tackle is more of what Alex Bars could potentially be, but... Like he can move the inside and he's obviously played right tackle, but it's an interesting question because I don't know if the bears even know at this point yet, but they continue to bring him back because they know if someone goes down, you could probably throw Alex bars there and he can at least be, he, he won't maybe be the liability per se, but he, he can at least play the position. So is he like a bandaid? Is he bandaid bars? If you want to put bandaid bars, yeah, I think that, that's a good way of thinking about it. You can at least hold it on until the last, you know, the elastic kind of starts to wear down. And if you get some water on, you know, a lot of things can happen, Gross. but, but yeah. All right, Mason, over to you. Who do you think Alex Bars is at this stage of his career? Looking at 2021 uh, expectation for him in this season. Uh, does he have a chance to start? I'm throwing a bunch of questions your way and you can pick and choose which ones you want to kind of discuss and answer. Alex Bars is a multi-tool. You know, like like Nick was saying, you can throw him in in multiple places and have him be successful. Uh, can he be a capable starter? Yeah, absolutely. It just depends on kind of who's in front of him and how training camp all pans out. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, the best five should ultimately start. And it is such a luxury to have a guy that you could plug in at center and a guard and a tackle. I mean, how many teams can say that? You know, and we talk so often about skill players who can play for different positions and we you know give a major prop for that we don't do that enough on the offensive line and just a single offensive line injury can really derail an entire season we've seen that with the bears we've seen that with other teams so to have someone that can step in not you know be super luxurious in terms of being the starter but you know i i love alex bars he's the, he's always been one of my preseason darlings but just having that flexibility is huge I like it. And I like how you kind of phrased it and you're giving a little bit of additional kudos and props because you're right. We give a little additional, not we in the show, although I'm sure we're guilty of it too, but just general population, always focusing on the flashy positions and being versatile there does get a lot of attention where often to line people do 
make the assumption it's more interchangeable, and it's not. It's difficult to move from center all the way out to tackle. Responsibilities change, how you approach it, your pass sets, and all those. I mean, it's a completely different ball game. So I really liked how you mentioned that there. But guys, we need to move into Tier 2, uh, which I am dubbing this week as the new guys. Uh, and you got to begin uh, with the second-round pick first round talent uh, that we drafted in Tevin Jenkins, which by the way, that description is very similar to two other bears that we've already discussed and James Daniels and Cody Whitehair. So I think we're starting to find a trend of those Ryan Pace offensive linemen that he gets on uh, day two. So Tevin Jenkins, he's coming to Chicago from Oklahoma State, where he's known for being a mean muggin mauler, is what I put here in my notes. I'm really working on the uh, consonants here, if you can't tell, uh, here this week on the show. Tevin Jenkins, he brings size, strength, and attitude that has been missing on his Bears offensive line for some time now. He's making the switch to left tackle after primarily playing right tackle in college. Jenkins, he was a fan favorite during the mock draft process. I know he was a favorite of ours uh, when we went through our mock drafts here on the podcast. And he's already further cementing himself as a fan favorite with his, whether it be his awesome press conference quotes or just that social media presence. So Nick, I want to begin with this position switch. Uh, what's an appropriate amount of caution that we should take here? Uh, what concerns, that may be a strong word, but what concerns are you having as we enter cap for Tevin Jenkins making that jump from right tackle to left tackle in addition or parallel to going from you know collegiate play to professional play? I think, and I don't know if it's more so a concern, Will, but something that I hope isn't missing because Tevin Jenkins is moving one side to the other, jumping from college to the NFL, is that that nastiness, that attitude that he plays with on the right side, of a position that he's very comfortable with, having majority of his college snaps on that side, hopefully that just doesn't go away because he's thinking too much in terms of what he needs to do and how he needs to approach things being on the opposite side. And maybe I'm making this too, too big of a deal, but I think that's something that I think about because when we were all probably projecting – Tevin Jenkins being on the Chicago Bears, I think it was on the right side. You know, with Bobby Massey not being there, we were projecting him to be the starting right tackle for the Bears for the next 10 years. But now with, obviously, Charles Leno Jr. being released, he's going to be on the opposite side, a very vital position for this Bears organization moving forward. But I just hope that you don't see a lapse in play or just any hesitancy in in Jenkins because he's trying to adapt to a new position and ultimately a new level of play that he's going to be obviously accustomed to now being in the NFL so I don't think it's a concern though because I think Jenkins is who he is and that's just a mean mug and mauler I think that's what you that's right well so so I think that's who he is but we just got to make sure that there's going to be I think Bears fans need to be realistic they're going to be bumps in the road with Tevin Jenkins and, you know, all these rookie class in terms of how they adapt to this new level of play. And so I think that needs to be ingrained in people's minds. So when Tevin Jenkins does give him a sack, Hey, I know he didn't give up many at Oklahoma state, but now we, we got to see how he can adapt. And I ultimately think that he will, because he's got all the intangibles that you want. Just another side that he has to kind of relearn in a sense, because a majority of his left tackle snaps happened in 2019. So just got to keep that in mind. Right. It's the muscle memory. And he's going to have to reprogram his mind, his body to react uh, a little differently. And he has to do it quicker uh, in the NFL that he did at Oklahoma State. So for you, Nick, physically, you still love all the tools, all the intangibles that he brings to the table. It's just going to be more of a mentally 
not just not picking up an NFL offense and diagnosing what a defense is doing. I think that's a valid concern for any rookie offensive lineman or just any rookie playing any position. It's really going to be his own assignment and just being able to play loose and play fast. Yeah, that's how I would characterize it. And look, well, like when he's on the left side, it's like now he has to know I'm going to attack with maybe the opposite hand instead of the one that I would normally do on the right side. So it's it's little things like that. Now my left foot goes back first as opposed to my right. So it's simple little things with that muscle memory you were talking about. But that's what I, again, not concerned, but you just got to see him make those those small incremental just adjustments throughout this process. And I have all the faith and confidence that Tevin Jenkins can do that. Yeah, he's a professional athlete. It may take time. I'm working on my golf swing, and I'm still trying to fight some real bad habits to kill this splice. think I may be getting there, but it takes so much mental effort to make your body move the way you want it to. And as soon as you stop, the body goes right back to the old habit. So I think that's a, a small parallel. Definitely a whole different element, but similar enough that I felt like it was worth mentioning it. Um, I wanted to go to you next, Mason, just kind of gathering your thoughts on reasonable expectations for a rookie season for Tevin Jenkins, because as Nick mentioned, I imagine we're going to see some growing pains and it's not always going to be pretty. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, if you're a defensive coordinator, right, you're going to most likely attack the side that you feel has the least amount of experience, even if they have a lot of the tools that you want out of a tackle. Uh, and coming into the draft and throughout that draft process, one of the things that was talked about was potentially even moving Jenkins inside. People didn't love his arm length. So is that going to be an issue for some of the longer edge defenders that are going to be coming at him? Who knows? We'll see once we get there. Um, but his technique is so fun to watch. Um, if people haven't had a chance yet, go watch Brett Coleman break him down. It's I'm not huge on watching offensive line play normally, but it's like poetry and <laughs> seeing what he does and the way he sets up moves. And because a lot of times you see the defenders trying to set up the tackles, but he flips the script on them, right? He, he sets up the defenders who may have to do what he wants them to do and then takes advantage of it. But at the end of the day, it is a rookie, right? It doesn't matter. It's for all of us. Anytime we're going to do something new, even if it's something that we've done for a long time, but at a new level, there are, as you said, well, going to be those growing pains. So we need to be okay with that. We need to have patience as a fan base and hope that, you know, there's not a shiny quarterback in the backfield to get tackled. Maybe one of the older ones instead. <laughs> right. Nick, you talked about that last week, didn't you? Uh, Andy Dalton, the test dummy, remember? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> test dummy Dalton. See, we're just going to come up with all these weird names today. And, and I'm not I'm not complaining, actually. I'm having a lot of fun with it right now. Creativity mode is high uh, right now for Will. So I want to move on to his rookie counterpart, fifth-round pick Larry Borum, uh, who, by the way, had the lowest quarterback pressure percentage given up last year with zero, uh, according to PFF. That's an easy stat. Oh, none? Easy. At top of the list. Love it. Borum showed up to rookie minicamp leaner. Uh, he dropped some weight, just some, like 30 pounds. That's all. Uh, and he also added some muscle. Uh, he's feeling lighter on his feet, which will help him adjust the NFL speed uh, which I'm excited to kind of see how that transitions. Uh, so, of course, Borum, being a fifth-round pick, uh, he's going to have to prove that he's NFL-ready uh, before earning any playing time. It's not impossible. Look at Darnell Mooney. I know it's a different position, but still, he's the previous fifth-round pick for the Bears. And uh, there are some guys, that, uh, including the one that we're going to talk about next, that he's going to be competing with over at right tackle. So, Nick, uh, what do you want to see out of Borum at camp and what can he do to show that he's ready or at least close when we get down there into July, early August? 
I think with Borum, and he's mostly going to be with that second team unit, maybe he's on third team to really start off here. Well, it's like how he's faring against whoever the opposite edge rusher is at that position. And when the Bears ultimately run stunts in camp just to test where these offensive linemen go and how they react to it, you just want to make sure that Borum is in the right place at the right time. You can actually say the exact same thing for Jenkins. How are they going to adapt to these stunts that I think you're going to see a little bit more with Sean Desai's system in terms of what they can do to create pressure. So that's what I would, I'm going to be focusing in on if we do have an opportunity to go to camp and see everything in person. How's Borum kind of fate, just faring against whoever the edge rushers are? And, you know, maybe the Bears are a little flexible and can put a couple of those reps with some of the younger guys just to see how they do against, hey, there's Khalil Mack. Good luck. So I think that that ultimately will make every one of these guys better, but how they handle some of these edge rushes that the Bears have, how do they handle the stunts, just in terms of what their reaction is. Because a lot of it, that's what kind of happens at times. Even though you know your assignment, you see someone moving inside, you just want to go with them. And I, I think that is going to be something that, you know, for a lot of the tackles, you want to see if they're just making the right move and making the right decision. Okay, how about you, Mason? Very much the same question. Uh, when you're at training camp here, uh, just in a, two months, uh, which is going to happen so quick. It's going to fly by. We're going to be there before you know it. What do you want to see out of Borum at camp? I want to see what he comes back and weighs in it again. Uh, Juan Castillo had mentioned that he wanted him to actually put a little bit more weight back on, that he was looking a little little too svelte for his liking, um, which was nice because he was definitely lighter on the feet. But is he going to get pushed around a little bit too much? Because he, he was used to playing with 30 extra pounds on. So can he find that nice middle of adding up maybe, you know, five to 10 pounds there so he can be keep his anchor, right? And so that he's not going to get blown off the line. And at the end of the day, yes, he was a fifth round pick, but, you know, there's some rumors out there and discussions that a lot of teams actually did have him up a little bit higher as well. And uh, there were a couple of teams that even were looking to snag him if the Bears hadn't. So I'm really excited about him as that prospect and potentially getting a lot out of a fifth round pick. And this one may be a pick that needs, you know, you know, patience will prevail and maybe the best case for the Bears. And that's not a bad thing. I think the Bears have done a good job of making sure there are other capable options on this roster. So you don't have to throw a rookie, you know, fifth round pick offensive lineman into the fire uh, by any means, uh, you know, injuries, uh, I guess, pending. Uh, I don't want to say pending. That's terrible uh, if they occur. Uh, so. We'll see how that all kind of shakes out. We do have one final player that we need to discuss here in Tier 2, and it's going to be the free agent signee, Elijah Wilkinson. Uh, Only played nine games last year due to a knee injury. A good amount of experience. He's still young. Uh, He's entering his fifth season, but he's only 26 years old. Uh, To me, this is an attempt to maybe upgrade the swing tackle position. Uh, This is like the Jason Spriggs if you're looking at last year's roster, that's how I'm kind of pegging him right now for me. Uh, I know I remembered in our state of the franchise. No, sorry. Our free agency reaction show when I was doing my research on him, uh, I did find out that, you know, Denver, at least last offseason, thought highly of him enough to put a second round tender on him when he was a restricted free agent uh, throughout that 2020 offseason. So, guys, I can steer this combo really in any direction. I'm just curious uh, if you believe or feel that Wilkinson actually has a chance to start. I, I personally, I know there's a maybe a battle here between a Fetty, Borum, and now Wilkinson, but I feel like it's a Fetty's job to lose when I'm looking at you know the three horses here uh, in the race. So maybe he's just good veteran depth. But entering training camp, Nick, where is Wilkinson on this roster in your eyes? 
I think he's right behind Afedi. If not, I, I would expect this to actually be a challenge. I know okay. Juan Castillo said what he said, but this is a guy that does have starting experience and was actually pegged to start at the left tackle position before, you know, Denver had some some injuries. And then Wilkinson has to go start in the opposite end there at right tackle. And he also has some experience at guard. So, uh, an, an, again, another versatile lineman, but there's that starting experience there as well. So if Afedi doesn't make that jump, doesn't show any improvement, um, and doesn't show that Pro Bowl capability that Juan Castillo thinks he can have. Wilkinson has proven in this league that, hey, he's not he's not the best tackle and not the best offensive lineman in the league, and that's why the Bears signed him for what they signed him for, but it's a guy that has starting experience, and I think that holds some weight here because Effetti is by no means light years ahead of, you know, him, Wilkinson, and I think Borum is going to be the odd man out for, for now just being a fifth-round draft pick, but – I think that this could be a, a competition coming to camp, and it's really going to be, like you said, Effetti's job to lose. But right now, if you you know had to put my money on something, I'd put Effetti to start. But Wilkinson, I think, is right there. So if, if there would be an injury, I think you see Wilkinson and, and like Bars be in that room of who can be injected into the lineup the quickest. Okay, so Nick believes we do have a battle on our hands. Mason, are you in the same boat? I don't think it's going to be as much of a battle as, as we think, maybe, but not at least with Wilkinson. I feel like they're high on Borum and that he'll, if anything, get maybe more of those number two reps and having Wilkinson be more of that swing, more of purely swing tackle. Now, he does have, you know, obviously 26 starts, 45 games experience, but having a Fetty already been in the system already for a year obviously gives him the huge edge. It's pretty much, as you said, his his position to lose. I just think that it's just a little bit extra, you know, depth on the chart. I'm not as excited about Wilkinson being a huge part of the conversation when we're in training camp. Um, I lean closer to Mason than I do to Nick. Although when we did our free agency reaction, I was thinking, you know, Wilkinson, he can start, you know, right tackle, maybe a Fetty still at right guard, but boy, how quickly things change, you know, with a few different draft picks and the other options that they present. Uh, again, I think at the time, this made a lot of sense to sign this guy. And again, even if he is a swing tackle for the, you know, the deal that the Bears signed him to, a real cheap one, it's not a bad deal whatsoever either. So we'll see if it's a true battle for the starting job or not here in a couple months. Um, but we need to enter tier three, uh, which is just the rest. Uh, and I'm just going to list them all. And then I have just a couple questions for this tier. Uh, we got Dieter uh, Iselin, uh, second year, undrafted free agent out of Yale. Uh, just a reminder, 2019 All-Ivy League player. Arlington Hambright, seventh round pick last year. One start during his rookie season, which was week nine over at left guard. Uh, Darian Parker, he's an undrafted free agent this year out of Miss State. He's a 6'5", 330-pound guard who's known for being powerful and massive. Then you have Ad- Adam Redman. Uh, he was recently signed just this month, spent the last two seasons in Dallas. He's appeared in 14 games. Uh, he entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent from Harvard back in 2017. He's 27 years old, 6'6", 300-pound, again, center guard kind of combo. Then you have Chavius Simmons, seventh-round pick last year out of Tennessee State. He didn't see the field. Badara Traor, second year. Uh, he was an undrafted free agent last season out of LSU, where he was a backup offensive lineman, by the way. And then we got Gunnar Vogel, an undrafted free agent out of Northwestern. I want to begin with last year's seventh-round pick duo, Arlington Hambright and Latchavius Simmons. Nick, 
Uh, I know we've drafted multiple linemen since then. Uh, I think we actually had a run where five, four, the five, four out of Ryan Pace's last five draft picks were getting close, like offensive linemen. Uh, which is, again, glad he's addressing the position. Uh, sandwich it between seventh-round picks and early picks here. I'm curious about these two guys. Uh, do you have any hope for them to take a step and you know make some noise this season, or is it going to be like last season where they're just kind of you know quiet and then in the shadows? I honestly believe that's how it's going to be for 2021, unless they're making noise in the preseason. Uh, I don't anticipate, or that's probably not going to be the best case scenario. Will like we're hearing a lot right, of Davis Simmons and Arlington Hambright in in the regular season. Meaning, you know, obviously the guys we just talked about, someone's going down. But I think where they're at, only being in year two of their, you know, young NFL careers, it's more so still development. Being seventh-round draft picks, there, there's no guarantee that some of the other guys that were mentioned, um, you know, very prestigious schools too, Yale, you know, you know like these these prestigious schools there can maybe up up uplift them and take their spot. But I think for them, it's still about development right now. And obviously, Arlington Hambright did get the one start last year due to a bunch of injuries that the Bears had. So I'll say this: out of this, all these groups of names, like with given how the Bears' offensive lineman just went down last season, they gotta have it, their mindset be: we can have an opportunity potentially. You never know. So, but I, I don't anticipate their, you know, either one of the guys, Simmons or Hambright, to make any noise. Uh, we'll be curious to see them in the second lineup. With Justin Fields, though, that's where I think a lot more attention is going to be given to these guys because you're going to be watching number one and seeing what he's doing there, throwing the football in these preseason games. So we're going to obviously be paying attention to how that line play is doing or allowing pressure into the backfield and watching the prize possession run for his life. So I think that we're going to see exactly what these guys are capable of in these few preseason games that we have this year. I'm hopeful out of these two guys that they show us enough in training camp to give us hope that they can be really good reserves. Uh, you know, maybe more, but I'm not setting the bar any higher than that. I don't want them both to become the next, you know, Teo Fabeluges, you know, that you draft in the seventh round, end up getting, you know, not even making the team. I don't want that to happen. Uh, even if they both have to sit in a practice squad again for a year, you know, maybe it's a long kind of haul here, a long churn, um, but they can prove to be valuable backups, people that can be, uh, a bars type that can come in there because who is it? It's uh Hambright, right? He can play guard. He also played a little tackle in college. So again, maybe not as versatile, um, but that's what I'm hoping out of these guys, or at least one of them can kind of stick uh, and be here for uh, some time here. But Mason, out of this group, uh, the entire tier three, does anyone stand out uh, to you more than the rest? Usually off into Lyman shows like this one, it's, I guess it's kind of hard uh, when you get down to that last year, when we have more skill positions, uh, I guess a little bit more fun, but are there any players here that stand out to you uh, for better or for worse here out of this group? You know, it's really interesting because it's a bit of a change for the Bears. Usually, or as I feel, that that six, seven, eight spot is so is a big fight over who's going to be there and like you know who's going to be the backup at each game and then even who's going to potentially make the practice squad. But because they drafted guys so much earlier this year, you know, some of the people got bumped down slots, and so the end of the roster is just not as big of a thing, or at least big of a conversation this year as it has been in previous years. You know, there's the Hambright. He got a played a little bit last year, which is not good to see. He didn't do terrible. You know, he played 82 snaps on offense and didn't get anyone killed. So that's a good start. 
Um, but then, you know, it's always nice. There are some of those darlings like Gunnar Vogel. I would love to see him get a couple of plays in the preseason just because he's a Northwestern guy. Um, there, I know last year there were some talks about Dieter Eelson. I'm going to butcher his last name there. But, you know, can he do something, anything? Again, the Yale connection is definitely interesting. And then they brought in Adam Redmond for a reason. I mean, they moved another offensive lineman out and moved him in. So they must see something in him. So it'd be interesting to see what he does in training camp and in the preseason. But like you said, for the most part, a lot of this is just insurance, right? Hopefully we're not having to talk about it too much, which is a shame because Arlington Hambright and Latavius Simmons are some really cool names. I really I wish know. that we could say it and more pig. Uh, so excited by that one as well. And by the way, there's an Alex Redmond uh, that plays offensive line uh, for the Patriots. And when I was doing my, preparations like wow we got ourselves a dude here and it's adam redmond i was so excited i was like wait double check the name i'm on the wrong redmond he's like the 60th highest graded offense alignment in pff i was like wow we got a steal maybe he can push for a starting spot and i was like this doesn't feel right double check cross-reference myself no this is adam a little bit of a different uh, type of a player but again he's a center guard combo we talked about maybe they're trying to find competition for you know, Mustafer up front at center, this guy at least has experience. And if they're really set on White here and Daniels at guard, maybe that's the reason why they brought him in. But we'll find out there uh, in training camp. Um, but that does it for our three tiers. I want to enter the last segment of our show here, uh, making a, f- a bunch of predictions, having some fun with some over-under uh, and just uh, confidence meter and all the real fun stuff that I look forward to in all these episodes. Uh, so the first question, it's a simple question, but it's probably the one of the hardest to answer Who's making the team? Uh, last year, I had eight, and I think I'm sticking with eight. Mason, how many do you have making the team? I also have eight. Nick? Eight as well. All right. So I think we're going to have the same eight. I just have a hunch. <laughs> I think so, too. You want to you just lay them out there, Will? Yeah, yeah, and it, it, I'll lay them all out, and then if anyone has anyone different, uh, I can boot you from the show uh, forever. <laughs> uh, no, oh, but wow. here we go. Uh, number one, I got Cody Whitehair. Two, James Daniels. Three, Tevin Jenkins. Four, Jermaine Fetty, Five, Sam Mustafer. Six, Alex Bars. Seven, Larry Borum. And eight, Elijah Wilkinson. It seemed pretty clear cut and paste to me, but Nick, you're shaking your head. Where did I go wrong? No, that's the exact date I had. So I just wanted to shake my head like that. Okay. I mean, we, we're all going to have the same mate, so I had to do something here. But, yeah, that, that seems the most logical for, for the Bears to carry this season. Mason, I just want to get confirmation. You have the same mate. Yes. Again, having those two earlier draft picks, it just really solidified who they're going to be rolling with. It would be a really surprising or a terrible injury if it's not those eight. All right, well, let's get a little bit tougher. I lied. It gets more difficult. That was easy. We all had the same answer. Who and where is your starting five week one? Nick? Okay, I'll start off here. We have Jenkins at left tackle. I said Daniels will be left guard. Center, Mustafer, right guard, white hair, and then right tackle, I have a Fetty. But I can see a scenario where white hair does go back to center and then you have Daniels at left guard. That would put, I think, Alex Bars into the starting lineup at right guard, which would be interesting. That's one of that, the combinations I, I listed be, as a possibility. But the, the initial one is obviously who I pre- anticipate starting. I feel bad because I had the same starting five for my my listed, but in my notes, 
Jermaine was the one I put his first name. It's just Jenkins, Daniels, Musfer, Whitehead, Jermaine Effetti. Like, he just gets both names. Um, but I, I agree. That's probably the most likely, or I guess what fans believe is the most likely outcome. But what if, again, what if a Larry Borum with that drop weight comes in and like, you know, this guy ends up, he's kind of a steal and he may be one of our best five linemen. Or maybe that's a Wilkinson at right tackle. And then what do you do? Do you move a Fetty at guard? So then you're looking at Jenkins, Daniels, Whitehair, a Fetty, Borum slash Wilkinson. That's a possibility. And like you said, Nick, you can put Whitehair back at center if you, if that's what you feels best. And then what do you do for guard? Is that Alex Bars and then a Fetty on the outside? There are a few different combinations that I think the Bears will seriously consider here, depending on how the players look at camp and in preseason. Um, but Mason, who and where is your starting five if you had to put a prediction down today? Because you do. <laughs> so I, to be quite honest, had the same one as Nick did. We got Jenkins, then Daniels, then Mustafer. Then we got uh, Whitehair, followed lastly by Fetty. How? And I didn't realize we could have two answers like Nick threw out there. So my second one is also going to be by week five, Borum's going to be starting at right tackle. What happens after that, though? Like, what happens to Fetty? Is he in reserve so or does he get to inside? Fetty ends up becoming just a backup. Okay. Uh, a little bit of a pl- little bit of a talent thing. Not necessarily that if Eddie did anything wrong. It's just that it wasn't necessarily high enough. You know, they got to make a little bit of a change. Maybe they have a couple losses in there that they're not happy about. Hey, let's get Borum in there. I'm I'm I may sound like a Debbie Downer, and usually I think you guys know me enough that I'm not. But I have a hard time believing that all of this talent that we're talking about, that Sam Mustafer would be part of the starting five, like your best five linemen. And again, he he played well down the stretch, but it wasn't like unworldly but again he can show some improvement and that's what i'm really looking forward to at training camp but i'm just looking at the listed guys i wonder if he if he is truly in your top five of the best linemen on this team or did the bears do enough wheeling and dealing this offseason to find a better five that's kind of what i'm hoping for at least but uh, i although i say that we all have the same three, uh, the same starting five. So we'll, we'll see how it all kind of shakes out. I just wanted to play a little devil's advocate here uh, looking at this roster. I just didn't love white hair at center consistently. There was just something there that was off, whether it was the, the snapping issues or like the fact that you have to snap it like a weirdo the way he does the one hand thing. Like it's just like there's just something off there. Yeah, uh, again, I understand. We talked about snapping issues with White here for years, and I'm glad he got him tapered. I know James Daniels' little experiment there wasn't well, but he played so well at center in college. There's still that possibility. So, uh, and again, White here played mostly at left guard in the NFL. So I feel like James Daniels at center, White here left guard. That's another wrinkle that we can discuss here as well. So, so many options yet limited options and we'll, we'll figure it all out uh, in due time but i like the different you know, we all came to the same agreement but just kind of bringing up well there are other potentials here for us but i want to move on and i want to play some over under uh so my first over under for 2021 countdown to camp is 31 sacks allowed uh 36 last year which is actually down four uh, from 2020, uh, 2019, sorry, uh, getting my years mixed up. So I was actually down four, uh, believe it or not, last season. Um, but I'm setting the bar at 31 sacks allowed by this offensive line. Mason, you're going to take the over or under on that? I'm going to take the under. 
Okay, I like that confidence. Nick, are you uh, riding high like Mason down there? I think we could have an issue early on. You have a new quarterback back there. I think the offense is going to still try to figure it out. They're going to give up a lot of sacks early on. So I'll go over 33 sacks they'll give up this season. Still, I think, a good number because they play better towards the end of the season. But I think early on it could be a little bit of an issue. Okay, I'm actually leaning towards you, Nick. I took you over at 34. Uh, so, again, just you're, it's going to be rusty. You, you may have Andy Dalton back there for a while, and he's not the most mobile quarterback. Uh, he's getting a little older as well. He's not Justin Fields back there by any means. So I'm going to take the over, uh, but we'll see. Again, at over, it's still lower than last year's number, which is improvement, but just higher than the bar I set. Uh, the next over-under, I'm setting it for penalties, and it's going to be 16 uh, by the offensive line. And for comparison's sake, this unit had 18 a year ago. So I'm setting it a little lower at 16. Nick, over-under. We're going over again. I'm going with with 18 again. I think uh, again. There's there's some there's going to be some some roadblocks, some some bumps in the road for this offensive line, and they play a really tough schedule. You guys, like this is no. And what another thing that we have to factor in? There's fans this year. Yep. They're not going to hear like the snap count and things like that. So I think there's going to be some adjusting for Kevin Jenkins, obviously a rookie being at left tackle to start, and I think that there will be some penalties. So over, but 18 again. Okay. Mason? Also over. Uh, this just might be me being a jaded Bears fan, but I feel like constantly holding and, you know, offsides and penalty, you know, false start penalties happen when you're a Bears fan. And like Nick was saying, you know, there's going to be a new quarterback in there. There's going to be potentially a change in quarterback some point in time, right, to someone who hasn't played in the NFL yet. Uh, you're going to have at least one rookie starting, maybe two you're going against a tough schedule, like Nick said, too. I mean, when you're standing across the Ravens, the Steelers, Aaron Donald staring you in the face, yeah, you might want to try to get an extra step in a little early. So definitely over. Yeah, I'm taking the over as well. And one of the reasons why I'm taking it, and I've been waiting for someone to say it this whole time, but no one has, so shame on the both of you. There's an extra game to count. Oh, that's very, very true. true. Yeah, yeah, so that also has to play in here just a little bit. Uh, so we have one more over-under, and it's going to be for Sam Mustafer. Uh, I have 10 starts for Sam at center next season. Over or under? Mason? Over. He's going to start every game. I just All right. I saw enough at the end of last year. Uh, as well as kind of keeping tabs, you know, in today's day and age, especially with everything going on, Instagram workouts are huge. Uh, he was over at Neuro Protocol putting in some time and effort there. Uh, definitely looking pretty yoked. So I don't think he's going to get pushed around quite as much as maybe he did last year. I, I truly believe he's going to be the starting center for the entire year. Thank you for saying yoked. It's been years since I think we've actually used that word on the podcast. That's awesome. You are welcome. Uh, I appreciate that very much. Nick, how about you? you going to take the over or under on that one? I'll go over as well for Sam Musfer. Uh, I'll give it at 12 games. Something happens to where they do have a – look, there's going to be a line change, I think, at some point. The Bears have been showing that they can't have not. consistent li- – I know, I know. But I think with that extra game, I think there's just more – that's another opportunity for players to go down in this prolonged season without an extra bye week. So I think the Bears will have to do some reshuffling again, but I will go over at 12 games. Okay, uh, I'm doing over as well. Uh, I know I play devil's advocate, but 
the point of playing devil's advocate is giving yourself a different thought that maybe you personally have. So I'm giving the over to uh, for Sam. Uh, I just believe the Bears are hoping that they can do the white hair James Daniels guard experiment since it seems like every year they want to have a new one with them. Uh, so starting there, and as long as results are good, uh, then there shouldn't be any reason to change it unless what Nick, you just mentioned that I will not repeat, which leads us into I have two trooper falses to play now. So we got true or false. There's going to be at least one pro bowler on the offensive line for the Bears in 2021. Nick? True. There will be two pro bowlers on the offensive line. Now, you only have bold predictions I'll, I'll coming up. You might want to bite your tongue. I got something else. I, oh, okay. I got something else planned. So I, true. There will be two pro bowlers. Let me just, uh, what's the shortcut for strike through in Google Docs or my first bold prediction line? No, it's there. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> but that's why I was telling you to zip, but we're good. True or false? I told you that one already. So Mason, uh, over to you. You're going to take the true or the false. There are at least one pro bowler uh, in 2021 from this unit. I'm going to take true. Uh, I think they could have had potentially even a pro bowler last year if they just had been an overall better team. Uh, like uh, Cody Whitehair very well could have been just the record wasn't very good and just people really didn't like the Bears offense which is what kind of gets you Pro Bowl votes so uh, yeah I think it's true. Nick is it fair to say that the Bears have three players with I would say fringe Pro Bowl talent and Jenkins, Daniels and Whitehair? Fringe yeah we gotta wait on Jenkins I I get it right I I know I'm projecting there a little bit yes I I think that that is accurate to say with how what we've seen from i think daniels may be someone we need to see a full season out of but yeah i would say that it's fringe three pro bowlers if everything goes right what do you mean daniels needs to play full season he's played two full seasons already well i think last year was so big in seeing what he could become and we saw four games of it but then the injury happens and we saw i think i don't know from daniels it hasn't been bad play hasn't been very good play it's just been He's still, I think he was still figuring things out. So okay. I think there's still a little bit more to see from Daniels. All right, I'm just making sure. Uh, one more true and false. Larry Borum will start not due to an injury at some point in 2021. Uh, Mason, I'm going to go to you first because I feel like I know your answer. I heard, yeah, I already kind of said this. True. I did. He's, true. He's fleet afoot. Like it. Nick, you? <laughs> I'm going false there. Um, not as high on Larry Borum yet for 2021. I'm also going with true. Uh, I think that uh, I did. I just say not due to an injury, uh, so he'd have to surplant someone. So I know that's a slight stretch, but we'll see how that kind of shakes out. I don't know. Why not? Let's have some optimism here to kind of uh, combat some of my devil's advocacy. So uh, two fill in the blanks, and then we're getting into bold prediction confidence meter. Uh, fill in the blank here, Mason. At the end of the year, we will say that the best spirits offensive lineman was. James Daniels. <laughs> Nick, I have another one for you. Don't worry. I was going to split these up so you didn't get that one regardless. You should be happy with his answer, honestly. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing, so I like him, Mason. All right, so Nick, yours is going to be, it will take blank amount of games to know Tevin Jenkins is the real deal. One. One game to know that he's a real deal. You play the Rams defense, you're going to know right then and there what he's made out of with Leonard Floyd, Aaron Dobbs, some really good defenders. So one game. All right, one game. I love it. I love that optimism a ton. Uh, let's jump into our bold predictions, and I want to go ahead and kick things off 
I'm going to say that the Bears give up less than 125 total pressures this year. They gave up 157 last year, 158 in 2019. So I'm having them below 125. And just to compare 2018, uh, Nick, you mentioned that season a couple times for good Bears offensive line play. They only gave up 117 that season. So I'm going to say less than 125, adding in that extra game, trying to get them back on par to what we saw there in 2018. That's my bold prediction. Uh, Mason, how about you? What's going to be your Bears offensive lineman bold prediction here for Countdown to Camp? Well, kind of connecting to some of the things we talked about earlier, my bold prediction is that Tevin Jenkins will be a pro bowler this year. I think he's going to end up having the stage that allows him to get, get a lot of notoriety. He's got the personality that really connects with people as well, which is really big in Pro Bowl since, I mean, it's half of it's a popularity contest. And I, I think he's just going to be end up being a steal. I think some of the teams that took tackles ahead of him are going to look back and say we missed out. Love it. Nick, how about you? For my bold prediction, I, I went to football outsiders just looking at some of those advanced metrics of the Bears offensive line, how they played last season. 29th in stuffed rate. And basically that is the percentage of runs where the running back is tackled at or behind the line of scrimmage. 29th in the league. The Bears jump up all the way to top half of the league at 10th because I think where that comes down to is nastiness. The Bears address that in this draft alone, just trying to implement some of that nastiness, that push. And I think it could be contagious. So with Juan Castillo kind of coaching these guys up, the Bears jump up from 29 to 10 in that metric stuffed rate check it out on football outsiders but i think that would be obviously very good for this bears offense moving forward david montgomery's going to a pro bowl if that happens <laughs> yeah he definitely another thousand yard season hopefully well if that's happening it's it's happening so we'll see i like that a lot that's a really good one and i'm glad that i went to you last because you said it was a good one and he had something prepared and I know sometimes, Nick, those bowl predictions, they just pop into your head throughout the show. So the fact that you said it was prepared, I was very intrigued. I didn't have it as like my bowl prediction. It's just a stat I had on here. And I, yeah, usually I just have it to where it's, oh, I, I thought of one, but hey, it was, it was written in the notes, though. Fair enough. All right, let's do our confidence meters. Uh, so scale one to 10, how confident are you in the Chicago Bears offensive line entering the 2021 season, just how you expect them to play for the year. Uh, of course, anything below five, definitely not confident. Five in the middle. I'd say what, six and a half, seven or above, you're getting there. I, I think people get the picture of a confidence meter scale one to ten. So, Mason, I'll go over to you. How confident are you uh, in the Bears' offensive line this year? And obviously just take everything we've talked about here today, everything we saw last year, all the moves the Bears made. Where do you sit right now? I sit at a 7.6. Overall, I'm pretty confident in them. I, the thing that I think I like the most about it is that they're bringing back some starters that they had last year, and also there's a lot of potential there. You know, potential with James Daniels, potential with Tevin Jenkins, and then if you do end up having to go to that sixth, seventh person to pop in because of an injury or something like that, you have some guys now that have the experience and against Swiss Army knives, like having Alex Barr at your disposal and Elijah Wilkinson, who did play for pretty well, having those people available to you instead of having to dive into you know, the dredges of you know NFL free agency or even anything like that. It's something that I'm, I'm much more confident in. And the way they ended the year last year also does that as well. I mean, they 
definitely ran the ball significantly better. They protected a bit better. Add in the fact that hopefully whichever quarterback is starting allows Matt Nagy to call the offense that he wants to call. Overall, it should mesh together better. Did you choose that number strategically? A little bit. A little bit. I like it. 7.676, Tevin Jenkins. I caught on real quick. Yeah. At least that's how I think. I went 7.2 because Charles Leno Jr. is gone. So that should help already. <laughs> um, but I, on top of that, though, uh, as everyone listening, I'm sure is very well aware of, uh, myself, everyone here on my panel, very excited about the moves the Bears made uh, on the offensive line, bringing back a Fetty, drafting Tevin Jenkins. Heck, Elijah Wilkinson, I still think, really elevates the floor of this entire unit compared to a last uh, last year as well. And uh, again, you have guys in the wings like Hambright and Simmons that if they can develop, you're still, even if they're on a practice squad from the top down, it's a unit that is young. It's getting a little bit more of a youth infusion, and they're bringing a lot of beef, an angry temperament. And Nick's bold prediction, even if it doesn't come completely true, the Bears should be much closer to 10th uh, than they are 29th um, in terms of getting some push and helping this run game. And they should be better uh, protecting the passer as well. I think the biggest question for me right now is, are they going to be true to themselves and play the best five linemen that give them the best chance to win? Or are they going to be adamant? And we've seen some, you know, very resist, uh, some resistance from this Bears coaching staff at times to make the best moves because they have a plan and they stick with it instead of being flexible. So I think that's one, not concern, but one question I have uh, right now, end of May, <laughs> plenty of time for things to change uh, from this unit. But overall, uh, the Bears should be improved at tackle. Uh, the interior solid, and I'm excited to see how they gel. And I guess with the new faces, uh, the gelling is another reason why I'm not like in the eight plus range just yet. But the talent and the potential is there. Uh, where heck, maybe by the time we get to preseason week one, this could be we could talk about a strength uh, of this Bears offense. So, Nick, I'll go over to you. Where's your confidence meter? Yeah, mine was strategic. It's 6.9. I wonder why I could have chosen that number. Yep, no. someone had to do it. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I think still there are two new tackles. Okay, I'm going to make myself laugh here. But there are two new tackles being implemented for, for, for this team. You lose – I think any time a team loses that, you got to see how things adjust. And like I said earlier, which is some of the predictions I have, I think this, this offensive line is going to go through its ups and downs throughout this course of a very tough schedule. But – Looking forward, and I know we're kind of projecting 2021 and just the roster they have right now, I am I am hopeful that this team could definitely improve upon that 6.9 confidence meter rating there. But, yeah, not a very long, elaborate answer, but that's what I have them pegged at right now. We'll see if we were to do, like, maybe midway through the season. Oh, I got really dark there. Midway through the season or late, later on in the uh, at the end of the season where that confidence is – Going into next season, I think it'll be higher, but 6.9 to start off. It's okay, Nick. We've been talking for an hour and 18 minutes now. I, I don't think we need to have an, a, a super long-winded explanation. I think everyone understands what we feel about every player uh, right now at this position on the team. I just got one more thing, and we'll do this briefly, and then we're going to sign off. What's the one thing above the rest when you get to training camp that when you look over at the offensive linemen that you're paying attention to and why? Nick, I'll go to you first. It's got to be Tevin Jenkins. I think that's the answer that we're all going to throw out there. It's just seeing how he's able to, one, hold, hold, you know, go up against these Bears 
edge rushers and just see that nastiness. I want to see some pancakes in training camp. You know, if there's some fist fights, it's all in good faith and, you know, builds up that team chemistry. But I want to see Tevin Jenkins kind of unleash that on the Bears defense to start off until he gets some other opponents he can really go up against. But that's what I'm really looking forward to seeing and just seeing how he's adjusting to the left side. I'm sure he'll be fine, but I really want to see pancakes from Tevin Jenkins. That should be served all throughout training camp because I think fans would love it. And, you know, I think he's going to love to see that too. Free breakfast at Bears camp. I love it. I'm concerned though, because if he's pancaking, that means it's Robert Quinn on the other side, and we have a whole other set of issues. Uh, we'll see how many veteran days he gets and then who <laughs> Jenkins will go up against. But that's where my mind went. I was like, oh, if he's pancaking, starting, yeah, boy. Like, that could be a whole other conversation. Uh, we'll be having that one in about a month. So, uh, for me, I'm watching the interior. I want to see who's lining up where and how often. Uh, are they putting Cody Whitehair or James Daniels any reps at center? Uh, who's playing more primarily right guard between the two, uh, if at all? And, you know, how is Sam Mustafer looking? Is he looking like he belongs or is he shaky, rocky? And if so, how did the Bears kind of combat that throughout camp? So as soon as I get there, you know, day one, if they're doing a lottery system, I hope day one, <laughs> get in there and I want to see what's going on with that interior. I feel more confident about the direction each of the bookends and the tackles are going, but I'm very, not concerned, I'm just, I guess I'm very inquisitive or in. Uh, Wanted to inquire more uh, about what's going on with the order inside. Mason, how about you? What are you going to watch above the rest? Taking goals and making it a little more specific, I want to see the leadership and communication from Sam Musfer. You know, I think we all kind of think that he's going to get the first crack at center, and he has to take charge. He cannot be soft-spoken. He needs to be able to call out all the protections he needs to, and honestly, potentially even get in the face of some of the other linemen if they're not doing what they need to do. So be in charge, man. Love it. Love it a lot. Guys, that was a lot of fun. Nick, I'm excited to see you at a baseball game here on Saturday afternoon on the south side of the city. Uh, And by the way, uh, my baby uh, that we're uh, going through right now, that uh, we're in week 14, and I found out this morning it's the size of a baseball. How coincidental is that? That is, yeah, it, it fits perfectly. I'm glad that we're able to, you know, make this happen. I'm glad everything's going well. Our size of baseball, I think, how does how fast does that kind of go well? I'm sure you've done, like, research. Yeah, I have an app, and I, I scroll through. I think the fruit is navel orange, and then we start going up to, like, grapefruit level. And every week right now, it doubles in, like, weight. Uh, so, like, this week is, like, a full ounce. Last week was only a half ounce. Week before was only 0.25 ounce. So, it, it goes quick, but yeah, our next ultrasound's on Tuesday morning. I'm very excited uh, to uh, get more, I guess, details and see how it's going. And also last week, I got to hear the baby's heartbeat for the first time, which was wow. pretty damn tremendous, uh, let me tell you. Can't wait for you all to experience that in due time. But I'm going to go ahead and close the show here because up next we're going to focus on the Chicago Bears defensive line. That's right. We're switching things up this year. Offense, defense, back and forth, keeping you and ourselves uh, on our toes. So some questions I'm already kind of thinking through. How much is left in the tank for Akeem Hicks? What to expect from Eddie Goldman after a year off? Will Bilal Nichols build off last season and take yet another step? Will Mario Williams provide to be worth his new contract? And is this the deepest position on the team again? Did I say Mario Williams? I meant Mario Edwards. I just put Mario in my notes. And I the first last name that I, came to Williams. That. Yep, I've done that multiple times. So, But it's Edwards. It's Edwards. So, yeah. 
Is he going to be worth that new contract? He better be. If I, He better be at least worthy of remembering that name. No, I should have known that one. But again, is this unit the deepest on the team? Again, I feel like that's a storyline that we have each and every summer. But we're going to discuss all that and much more in our next episode. Uh, but until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.